0: Well, for the final time this year, actually for the final time this decade, uh, welcome to Genesis. My name is Michael. I serve here as one of the pastors and sincerely just want to say thanks for taking time uh, on your final Sunday of the year uh, to be with us. If you're new or newer to the community, thanks for taking, again, time just to come and visit. I hope that you've already been encouraged in the moments that you have here. We love what God's doing on a Sunday morning. But we also realize that uh, God is bigger than just an hour and five minutes on a Sunday morning. He's actually doing things in the context of community and friendship. And so if you want to learn a little bit more about how to connect with Genesis outside of Sundays and learn about maybe joining and participating in a group or joining, participating in a team, uh, love the opportunity to tell you more about that. You can stop in our living room uh, on the way out. Now, <clears throat> this morning... It's safe to say that with two days to go, uh, most people on the planet right now are thinking about one question, would be this. Will 2020 be any different than 2019? Will 2020 be any different than 2019? I think a lot of people are wondering If what was frustrating to us in 2019, things like maybe our career or maybe our family or maybe our marriage or maybe our finances or just different relationships, will it be any different in 2020 than it was in 2019? I think many people are wondering what was besetting to us, things like maybe anxiety or things like addictions or things uh, like anger or bitterness, will that be any different in 2020 than it has been in 2019 I think many people are wondering gosh in 2020 will my my friendship my walk with God my relation will this be the year that it finally takes off like where I start to to grow and to mature and to develop and trust God in ways that I never have before maybe you're asking is this going to be the year that I actually believe that I will believe that God is God I'm not him And He has something much more for me. See, I think there's wisdom in taking some time to consider what was in 2019 and certainly reflecting on what could be in 2020. And I think what happens is once we start reflecting on what was, we begin making resolutions of what we're going to do different in 2020. So 2020 is just not a repeat of what happened in 2019. Now, according to uh, the people who <coughs> excuse me, study these things for a living, uh, here are the resolutions that are the top resolutions for 2020. Number one, improve my financial situation. Number two, eat healthier three, exercise, number four, lose weight, number five or six, improve mental health, seven, improve social life, Uh, learn a new skill, and then breaking the top 10 for the first time is be more green. That's a resolution. It broke into the top 10. Now, clearly, there's nothing wrong with any one of those things. In fact, they're all actually pretty good things. But what's fascinating to me is if you were to look back at the top resolutions years before that, they are always almost identical. Other than being green, all of those top nine resolutions are almost identical to the same resolutions in 2019 and 2018, 2017, and you just keep going down the list. Now, I'm not going to try to psychoanalyze why that might be, but I'll make a guess. And my guess would simply be this, much of our lives are still about our lives. Much of our focus is still on us. And all of the resolutions I looked up, I didn't find one resolution that simply stated, my resolution is to not make this year about me. Like, I didn't see any resolutions that stated, I don't want this year to be another year where I am at the center of my life. So, I wonder if the reason the needle of our lives doesn't move forward as much as we hope it would move forward is we're making the wrong investment. As we approach a year, we're just making the wrong investment. Now, hypothetical situation here, if I were to tell you you, over the past 10 years that I had been investing in a company that is called We Never Win, and that company that I had been investing heavily into, not just finances, but I invested a lot of me in that company, a lot of time, effort, energy, a lot of my thoughts, a lot of dreams, a lot of passions, and certainly a lot of finances into this company We Never Win. And over the past decade, that company had done absolutely nothing. It had not moved forward at all. It was actually just continued to go backwards every single year. What would you say to me about, Michael, if I'd continue to invest in this company? What would your messaging be to me if I continued to invest year after year after year in this company called We Never Win? I think you would say, Michael, I know that you love We Never Win, Clearly you love it, but friend, it's time to reexamine where you are investing cuz it has been a decade. It has been an entire decade of your life has gone in investing in this company. Michael, it is time to make a new investment. I think that would be probably the most loving thing that you could actually tell me to do, whereas I think the most unloving thing that you could tell me to do would be well, I guess either say nothing or you could tell me, "Hey, Things will eventually turn around. Keep investing all of yourself in that company. We never win. Hopefully, it will get better for you one day. As we close out 2019 and get ready to begin 2020, in two days, I want to see the needle move in my life. Like I want to see the needle move actually in all of our lives. But I'm not here today to invite you to make some new resolution in 2020 to have this be the needle moving year for you. Rather, I want to invite you to make a new investment this decade. I want to invite you today to not just make an investment this coming year, but to make an investment this coming decade. Now, as we approach the end of this year, It's not just a year that is coming to a close for us. Uh, We're on the precipice of closing out this decade. For whatever reason, that to me has really caught my attention over these past few months of thinking about, I'm only going to get a handful of decades, and this decade is coming to a close. Now, I don't know how you would sum up if you were asked, hey, if you were to look back over the past decade, uh, the last 10 years, what words would come to mind or what phrases would come to mind for you? Of how would you articulate what the last decade has been like for you? I'm guessing some people will say, gosh, the last decade was exhausting. I'm guessing some people would say the last decade, it was kind of a whirlwind. Like it was somewhat of a blur. I can't believe 10 years of my life has just gone by and I'm now sitting here this morning. I'm guessing some would say, Gosh, the last decade, Michael, I can't even tell you the storms and the trials that I had to go through and endure. It was a a decade, honestly, marked by a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of disappointment. And I'm guessing for some, you would simply say, man, some ups, some downs, and a lot of twists and turns in between. As I'd been thinking how I would sum up the last decade for me, two words came to mind, and the two words were this, stretched and refined. That's how I would sum up the last decade of my life, stretched and refined. That just means there were many moments where I was hurting because being stretched and being refined is not always easy, but I'd also say there's many moments of great joy and celebration that progress is being made. Now, as I've been thinking a lot about the decade that was, uh, specifically thinking about how I would sum up my decade, I was really hit hard with this question, did I invest in the one thing that God called me to invest in above all things? Did I make the right investment this past decade in the one thing above everything else that God was calling me to invest myself in? Now, again, I, I realize that we might not use the same language when thinking about this, But all of us here, we made an investment this past decade. All of us here made an investment. Again, I'm not just speaking financial investment, but all of us here made an investment of ourselves in someone or something over the past 10 years. And I would just ask the question, where or what did you invest yourself in over this past decade? Like, what did you invest, again, not just financially, but where did you invest your time, your dreams, your passions, your thoughts? Where did you invest your emotions and your talents? And then, clearly, you could also ask the financial question. If you look over the past 10 years, where did you invest yourself, financially speaking, as well? Clearly, our answers are going to vary from person to person. We all have different stories. But the one question I want us all to consider today is this. Did you invest in the one thing that God calls all people to invest in above all things? Did you invest in the one thing that God calls all people to invest in above all things? To me, that is a really important question, but it's a question that obviously raises at least one more question, the question being, well, what's the one thing above all things? What is the one thing above all things that God would call all people to invest in? When Jesus was teaching the crowds about not being filled with worry and anxiety about just day-to-day life, uh, when Jesus was trying to remind and exhort the crowds that were listening to Him about how to live life with God, He told us what the one thing to invest in above everything else was. I want to read uh, a few verses. I'm not going to put all of these up on the screen, but if you have a Bible, you can follow along. This is in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to start at verse 25. Again, context, Jesus is teaching the crowds uh, about daily life and living and walking with Him. (coughs) Excuse me. That is why I tell you And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow, and they don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wild flowers that are here today and then thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And then I want us to see the one thing above all things that we are to invest in, in verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. One thing above everything else. If you're familiar with the teachings of Jesus, Jesus taught about a lot of things. Jesus taught about the importance of loving God. He taught and talked about the importance of loving people. He talked and spoke a lot about forgiveness, And sacrificial serving, Jesus talked about being generous and gracious and unconditional in our love towards other people. But the one thing that Jesus told us to seek above all other things was the kingdom of God. That is the one thing that He said, I want you to seek above everything else, above all things, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, again, if you're not familiar with Jesus' teaching, one of the things that Jesus began His teaching ministry with was teaching about the kingdom of God. It says in Mark chapter 1, the time has come, this is Jesus, "Uh, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. That's how Mark begins the ministry of Jesus when Jesus is teaching people about the kingdom of God. After Jesus' resurrection, He appeared to His followers with an important message. It says this in Acts. This is after Christ was raised back to life. During the 40 days after He suffered and died, He appeared to the apostles from time to time, and He proved to them in many ways that He was actually alive. And He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Imagine all the things that Jesus could have talked to people about after He was raised back to life. Hey, this is how the church is going to work. Hey, this is how you need to go plant more churches, and here's what leadership needs to work, and here's how you're going to need to relate with other people. What Jesus talked to people about was the kingdom of God. He began his ministry by speaking to people about the kingdom. His ministry in terms of the three years that we have of Jesus teaching and addressing people, he talked and told stories again and again and again, 86 times about the kingdom of God. And before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he spoke again about the kingdom of God. Over all the resolutions that I looked into, I did not find one that said, this year, above all else, kingdom of God. Above all else, the resolution I'm making this year, this new decade, above all things, kingdom of God. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on this, but if you were being honest, how many of us here would say, Yeah, it crossed my mind that as I'm approaching 2020, the thing that is going to be most important above anything else in my life is kingdom of God. I don't know how many of us would raise our hand of kingdom of God above all else. Now, I'm guessing not many of us would say that I disagree with Jesus on the importance of seeking first above all things the kingdom of God. I think the primary reason that we don't say that or even think about it is actually rather simple. We just don't have any idea what it would look like to seek first above everything else the kingdom of God. So I don't think it's our hearts are just hard towards this idea of seeking first the kingdom of God. I just think there's a lack of clarity on what does that actually daily practically mean to seek first above everything else the kingdom of God. Now, if this is what Jesus calls people to seek first above all things, then I think we each need to have clarity around what the kingdom of God actually is. And as I read through the Gospels, specifically Jesus' teaching on the kingdom, there is a focus on two things, the king and then his rule and his reign in our lives. When I understand Jesus' teaching on the kingdom of God, there's a focus on the king and who the king is and what the king is like, and the secondary focus is on His rule and His reign in our lives. It's not just a, a place that will be one day. It's not a place that is, it's a focus on king and His rule and His reign in our lives. The kingdom of God is first and foremost a statement that there is a king and none of us here are that king. And so, when we live our lives as if we are in charge of our life, we are living in opposition to the king and his kingdom. When we have an attitude of self-reliance and self-dependence and just doing our thing when we want, how we want, it is in direct opposition to the king and his kingdom because we're making a statement that, no, actually, I'm the king of my mini kingdom. So much of what Jesus said... Now, if you go through the Gospels and listen again to the things that Jesus said and the stories that Jesus told, so much of those stories were trying to help us understand what the king of this kingdom is actually like. Jesus helps us understand that the king, he is a servant king. He is a loving king. He is a sacrificial king. He is a redeeming king. He is a perfect king. He is a powerful king when I say powerful, I mean he's a king that can bring healing where there is a lot of hurt and pain. He is a king that can bring hope when there is despair. He is a king that can bring reconciliation and restoration where there is brokenness. He is a king that can bring freedom where there is addiction and light where there is darkness and life where there is death. He's a king that can bring love where there is just shame and hiding, and guilt. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is wanting all people, both religious people and irreligious people, both uh, the spiritual ones and the skeptical ones, to understand who the King is and what the King is like for one reason alone. If we understand who the King is, it becomes pure joy to seek first above all things the heart of the King. If we but understand who the king is and what the king is like, then it becomes nothing but pure joy for us to seek first above all things the heart of his, the king, his heart and how I live every single day, his heart and how I relate not only with God, but how I relate with you, how we relate with one another, his heart and how we're to forgive one another and be gracious to one another and be generous towards one another and be loving and unconditional in our love towards one another. So, when Jesus calls us, as it says in Matthew six thirty three, to live righteously, this is a call to live lives that are consistent with who the King is, to live lives consistent with the heart of the King. And the beauty and the promise of doing that, as Jesus said, as we seek first above all things and live righteously... Did you catch what the promise was? He will give you everything you need. Everything you need as you seek first His kingdom above all other things. Now, to me, it's sad of how hard we work to find everything we need by seeking first above all things, the everything in other things. How hard we work to find the everything that we need in other things like our marriages or our dating relationships or our families, or we seek the everything that we need in things like our careers and the titles and, uh, and the degrees that we seek after in f- our financial portfolios and just the approval and the applause of other people. It's sad to me when we start seeking the everything that the King promises to give us, In other and lesser things, I actually was wondering if we'd be free of making another resolution if we simply began to seek first above all things His kingdom. I think we'd really be free of making, okay, my resolution this year is going to be to do this and to do this and to do this. If we just simply made the statement, I'm going to invest my life in the kingdom of God. Beginning Wednesday, January 1st, as a church and any other friends and family that you might want to invite to join you to do this, we're going to enter into another season of prayer. Specifically, we're going to enter into a season of 21 days of prayer. And the focus of 21 days of prayer is going to be centered around one question that We're going to be praying as a church, but I'm inviting all of us to pray individually. And it's this question, how shall I invest in the kingdom of God this decade? Not just this year. I want us to think a little bit beyond just 2020. How would God want me to invest in His kingdom this decade? Jesus made it crystal clear for anyone and everyone that would choose to follow Him in Matthew 6.33 Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. The everything we need will be found in seeking first above all King Jesus and his kingdom. And so, starting January 1st, day one, we're going to enter into a season of prayer where we're going to specifically ask, King Jesus, how would you have me invest who I am and all you've entrusted to me for the kingdom of God? King Jesus, if that's what I am to invest in above all things, how would you want me to invest who I am? I'm not just talking about finances here. I'm talking about the totality of who we are as people. How would you want me to invest my thoughts, my dreams, my talents, my passions, my energy, my resources? How could I invest all of who I am and all you have entrusted to me above all else, this coming decade in the kingdom of God. Now, on your chair when you came in is just this green card on the front. It simply says, invest in the kingdom. If you would, take that out. Over the course of 21 days, we're creating multiple opportunities for you to engage in 21 days of prayer starting January 1st. I'm going to share with you four. Number one is 21 minutes a day in prayer. We're inviting all of everyone here at Genesis to say 21 minutes every day for 21 days, praying specifically, God, how would you want me to invest who I am in the kingdom of God above everything else? You can pick your 21 minutes. Whatever your best moments are, give those moments to prayer. If you're a morning person, awesome. Enjoy 21 minutes in the morning. If you're an evening person, great. If you're middle of the day, No matter what time it is, give your best waking alert moments 21 minutes. Now, clearly, you can pray much longer than that if you want, but we're asking that you would make a 21 commitment for 21 days. God, how would you want me to invest in your kingdom this decade? Number two, 21 seconds at noon, okay? 21 seconds is not very long. But what we wanted to do is for 21 days, starting January 1st, is if Genesis is your home community, then you can rest assured that roughly 1,000 people at noon for 21 days are stopping what they're doing, whether it's their meal, they're in a meeting, whatever it is, and for 21 seconds, just take 21 seconds to pray. Now, on the back of this card is what's known as the Lord's Prayer. When the disciples said, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? Jesus said, here's a prayer you can pray. And so... Depending on how quickly you pray, it takes about 21 seconds to pray the Lord's Prayer. Again, don't get stuck on the time. If you want to pray for 42 seconds, awesome. If you want to pray for 21 minutes then, great. But at noon, for 21 days, we're inviting everyone to stop what you're doing and just bow your head and lift your voice and heart to heaven in prayer. Number three, three Fridays in January. The 3rd, the 10th, and the 17th. We're coming together. Normally, we do what we call First Friday, and the first Friday of every month is just a time given over in prayer and worship. But for the three Fridays during the 21 days, from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., we're going to gather here in the sanctuary for a time of corporate prayer and corporate worship. I don't know what you'd normally do on a Friday night, but I can only invite you to make this an investment that you make in coming together for an extended time of prayer and worship. And then something also new that we've not done before as a church family, on day 7, 14, and 21, we're inviting anyone who can to fast on those days. Uh, When you would normally maybe engage in a meal, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, uh, to engage rather in that meal, set the food aside for one day, Uh, and say, I want to spend that 20 minutes, I want to spend that 60 minutes, however long it is, I want to spend that extended time in prayer on day 7, day 14, and day 21. These are four ways, four opportunities that we're inviting everyone in this church to engage in one question. God, how would you want me to invest myself, all that you've entrusted to me, into the kingdom of God? We've done 21 days of prayer for the last few years and I'm certainly excited to see what God will do with and through community praying together over the next 21 days. Very excited about that. But I'm even more excited to see just how God might grow a people and grow a community when we actually take seriously Jesus, you said above all things to seek first as of most importance your kingdom. What would happen If all of us said, not my New Year's resolution, but this decade I'm making a new investment. My investment is going to be in the kingdom of God. What God might do with a people who are seeking first above all things. I'm excited to see that with you.